Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guest today is broadcasting all the way from Bali, and she has a really interesting story of accidentally reversing her arthritis. Please welcome to the show, Camilla Brinkworth. It's so nice to meet you. Hi, Chef AJ, and hello to all the viewers. It's very, very early in the morning where I am, so apologies if I'm a little sleepy. No, yeah, you look great, but I've, you know, I've, I've heard of Bali, but I've never been there. Uh, tell me about it, and how did you end up living there? Because I don't think you're Balinese. I'm definitely not Balinese. I'm English, but I've been living in Australia for the last eight years. Um, I felt like I needed a change, and this is going to sound very, very woo-woo, but I actually had a dream telling me to go to Bali um, and that that's where I was supposed to be living. And I managed to get myself to Bali. And as I landed, I just felt like I had really landed home. Um, this is vegan heaven, I have to say. So yeah, Listen, it's I don't a great place. I don't think it's weird or woo anymore. I was living in the desert at, near Palm Springs and I wasn't happy. And I literally asked Alexa where I should go. And she told me Lincoln, California. Oh. And I went. So, hey, you're, nothing's too woo woo for me. Let me tell you. Love that. And what's super, super cool is I live next door to a completely vegan family um, with five kids who've been vegan since birth, um, parents who've been vegan for like 16 years. Um, so I'm, yeah, in a perfect place for me. I Are they the home? Because I would like to meet them. If not now, please tell them to come. <laughs> to the show. I would love to meet a family of five like that. that, that yeah. Vegan. Well, the, the dad uh, does a lot of kind of public speaking and calisthenics and things like that. So I will definitely put you in touch because he would be a fantastic person to be on the show. That's funny because when we send this little, it's funny because we have this booking form just to help keep us organized <laughs> because we have so many guests supply. And then one of the questions is, how did you hear about the show? And then he can write from my next door neighbor. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So how long have you followed either a vegan or a plant-based diet and why? Um, so I have, I think I've been vegetarian for about 10 years. Um, and I first became vegetarian when I, I got a dog. Um, and I was so in love with my dog. I made this connection with animals in a really sincere way. You know, I'd always been fond of animals as a child, but I'd never made the connection between the food that we eat um, and that we're actually eating these beautiful creatures. So fell in love with my dog and just couldn't eat animals past that point. Um, and then it took another couple of years for me to learn. I watched a really early screening of Cowspiracy in Melbourne. Um, and I had no idea how bad the egg and dairy industries are and that essentially they are the, the meat industries. Um, so I yeah ended up going fully vegan just at the start of my naturopathy degree. Uh, which was interesting because I had to do so much reading myself um, to really learn how to do this properly um, and to have all the answers to all the silly questions that um, the lecturers were. I had, you know, so many lecturers kind of convincing these long-term vegetarians going back to eating meat while I was doing exactly the opposite. Um, so it meant I had to read every book under the sun. So I had answers for everything. Uh, and then two weeks after going, when we spoke about accidentally reversing my arthritis, two weeks after going vegan, I woke up one morning and I realized that the neck, the pain I had had in my neck um, since I've been 19 years old had just disappeared um, and it never came back. And the last x-ray that I had didn't show any arthritis at all. 
Uh, and I'd been in serious pain uh, for a long time prior to that, which had got progressively better as I eliminated um, animal products going vegetarian, but just went completely once I was vegan. That's funny that they, that, so in your school, they were trying to get people to stop being vegan or vegetarian. Yeah, big time. What were, yeah. they that, what were they saying that was so compelling that the people actually believed them? Um, well, unfortunately, I mean, some of the lecturers are very smart when it comes to kind of biochemistry. Um, and so people were kind of so impressed by their knowledge on that particular area that when they would say something completely out there that they'd heard from the Western Price Foundation, that's really where it's all come from, the Western Price Foundation. Um and so many of the teachers subscribe to that. And I have friends who are lecturers at um, the naturopathic universities now. And they tell me that so many of the students and teachers promote carnivore diets, which is when I was there, it was paleo or Western price. Now it's there's so many of them who are into carnivore, which is absolutely insane. <laughs> so I can't believe that. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that you had the smarts to not listen to your teachers. Yeah, I agree. I had some, um, I, it was a very, very small group of us who were vegan and, um, you know, but we were, we were fiercely vegan and we was kind of raise our hands every five minutes to dispute what has said, what had been said and send studies to support um, whatever claims we were making. So how long had you had arthritis and what were you told was the cause and what was, what were you doing to treat it? <laughs> what type of arthritis was it? Well, that's that's the funny thing. So I got pain in really, really, really bad shoulder and neck pain um, when I was 19. Um, it got progressively worse. I got diagnosed at 22 with arthritis um, from X-ray and MRI. Um, and the healthcare system I was under at the time um, was so, trying not to say poor, let's say over, um, you know, What's the word? It's too early in the morning for me to find words. Um, <laughs> the, the healthcare system was so over overpopulated and over um, extended. That's probably the word I'm looking for. Um, that they didn't even bother kind of asking why does this 22 year old have arthritis. So nobody recommended I did a blood test for um, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and all they offered me were muscle relaxants, strangely enough. Um, I didn't take them. I didn't want to take them. Um, I now know that both my mum and my grandma also had arthritis. So I can really only assume that it was rheumatoid um, or some other form of autoimmune arthritis, which makes complete sense when you look at the fact that I completely reversed it once I became vegan. That's great. How long did it take? Uh, yeah, about so once I went vegetarian, which was about 24 years old. Um, so it, things had got so bad by 24 that sometimes I couldn't pinch my fingers together to at the time to put on mascara or to to use a pen. I, I couldn't even do the washing up sometimes. Um, so that was awful. And I was just constantly in pain. Um, but when I yeah, got this beautiful dog and I think I was yeah, 24 and a half, something like that. Um, and I went vegetarian and the pain reduced by about 50% at that point, uh, which was amazing. And I did make the link between diet and food. I just didn't realize that removing the dairy and the eggs would also, um, you know, just knock the final 50% of pain 
away. And it was so quick, just two weeks after going vegan um, is when I woke up and it was just so strange. You know, you've had something in your body that you've carried for so long and then it's not there anymore. And yeah, never, it never came back. Well, what was, you, you, you know, you were raised on what type of diet? <laughs> um, a similar one to what most people were raised on. Um, so we would have um, maybe battered chicken, um, sometimes microwave chips, and probably at best one um, boiled vegetable um, was what I was eating. Um, however, my, my grandma, who also had arthritis, she said, as a teenager, she used to eat beautiful food, um, almost blue zone type food. She was always cooking legumes and, um, yeah, vegetables. And it was, she, she ate very, very well, but strangely, none of the, the rest of the family had kind of adopted that style of eating. So perhaps she had found the answer herself and just hadn't told people. That is funny. Had you heard much about the vegan or vegetarian diet before making the switch completely? Um, yeah. So I think that I was always, I was always meant to be vegan. Um, at 18, I met a lady who was a raw vegan, um, a long-term raw vegan called Kate Magic. And actually, funnily enough, we've been hanging out in Ubered for the first time in 10 years. Um, very, very recently, even last night, she has been vegan. I'm not sure how many decades, but it would be quite a while now. Um, and I was so inspired when I met her. She just had so much radiance and energy and she just looked um, so much younger than her age. Um, and I was yes, yeah, so inspired by her um, that I knew at some level that it was the healthiest diet, but and that I definitely wanted to get there. But I was so accustomed to eating meat. I ate meat, you know, sometimes twice or three times a day. Um, it's and I had all of these conflicting messages in my head. I had on one hand this idea that I knew deep down intuitively that a vegan diet was the healthiest but I also had all of this information in my ear that you need protein you need um, animal meat for protein you need cow's milk for calcium so we've been brainwashed in our society for so long that um, yeah I still had these very conflicting messages going on. So the the diet in your country, is it as bad as the stand? I don't mean Bali right now, but I mean, you know, where you live before. <laughs> Either you yes. can say England or where you, you lived in Australia. Are those diets as bad as the standard American diet? They can be. Uh, I would say there are probably slightly less people eating as badly. Um, but yes, they would be very similar. And I don't think we have kind of the uh supersize me type mentality either uh i don't think we have those ginormous portions um but certainly there are many many people um who are yeah eating really badly what type of food is normally eaten in bali um lots of rice and tempeh and vegetables um they do have it's considered a delicacy here which is really devastating um they have pigs on the, the spit um and it's so awful you see them in in cages they're kept in cages outside and they they can't even move um it's really upsetting so that's probably the worst of it i would say in the yeah, the balinese diet but 
the we have such amazing access to such beautiful foods i'll just quickly show you i will show you all the food in a moment but i get i have access to so the, this is eight different types of greens organic greens and i can get this delivered to my house three times a week in beautiful banana leaf um packaging you know i don't know any other country where you can get your amazing food delivered like that and i've got fresh spirulina i'd never even known that that was something you could eat before it tastes a lot like egg yolk actually um really nutrient dense so there's some beautiful organic food here well that that's interesting are there any animal rights groups in bali to try to counteract the sad situation with the pigs not really um most people care about dogs and cats here um as they do in um most parts of the world uh, or the western world um i think from what i understand there are but it's really illegal so i actually know a couple of people who are secretly involved um in something to that effect but i'm pretty certain it's really illegal because it kind of goes against um what they consider kind of religious teaching um that seems to be the so animals are used in sacrifice here as well um, so I have a really close relationship with a dog that my friend regularly dog sits and she's just the most beautiful, loving thing on the planet. And she was meant for sacrifice. She was found in a cage um, being waiting outside, ready to be sacrificed. And luckily um, somebody intervened and took her and now she's yeah, just living her best life. Oh my God. Yeah. Sacrificed for who? For the gods um so yeah there's lots of belief that you have to sacrifice I don't quite understand um and you know please take what I'm saying with a pinch of salt because I don't know the religion very well but from my understanding um there are certain gods who require the sacrifice of um whether it be dogs or pigs um and they're it's to appease the the gods um from from what I understand anyway well speaking of a pinch of salt how bad is salt for us, especially if we have conditions that are inflammatory or conditions like arthritis? Well, I stay well away from it. Um, there's plenty of people, especially in the naturopathic community, who um, are very pro-salt, actually. There's a lot of these, you know, whether it's um, the idea that we're supposed to eat all meat or that fiber is bad for us and that salt is good for us and fruit is bad for us, you know, it's completely the opposite of any of the kind of common sense and well-established medical um, nutrition facts uh, that are going around right now. So, yeah, I I like to get my sodium from my food. Um, and by that, I don't mean processed foods. Are there any vegan or vegetarian restaurants in Bali or any like meetup groups? So many, yes. Um, there are so many. I, I live in Ubud and it is full of vegan restaurants, which is amazing. Um, but I have to say, because of the whole SOS free thing, um, so salt, oil, sugar free, if I do eat out in one of those, it never feels as good to my body as the food that I like to eat at home. Um, so really, I sometimes eat these foods and all it does is remind me that I feel so much nicer and I actually enjoy my own home cooking um so eating out 
generally just does that for me. Reaffirms what I'm doing. I so appreciate to see a beautiful young woman say that because I've been saying that for 12 years that eating at restaurants is a punishment. It's gotten better in Northern California because a lot of the vegan and even non-vegan restaurants have SOS free menus here, but I always feel better. I, I just like my own food better. No offense. These chefs are very talented and it's not that I don't trust them, trust them, but I think things, not everybody has control over everything that goes, I, I used to work in a restaurant. So I just don't really think people are getting the compliant type meals that they think they're getting. And uh, I'm, I'm just saying this because I'm nervous because next week we, we get together so much up here with our group. I'm going to be eating at restaurants, three, three different restaurants, three times. Yeah. I can always tell how clean the restaurant is by how I feel afterwards. You know, I don't mean clean, like, you know, but you know, the food, that's what I mean. Absolutely. I was actually only having a conversation with my raw vegan friend, Cake Magic, last night and we were talking about how it's such an important part of the digestive process happens before we start eating and whilst we're cooking whilst we're preparing that food you know we're getting the input to our and no through our nose through our eyes um, and you know the digestive juices start flowing at that point and I think it makes a big difference to what we get out of food at the end of the day and as I will demonstrate my cooking couldn't be more basic if I tried um, I am far from a chef I am you know a nutritionist but I'm certainly not a chef by any stretch of the imagination so when you say I always wonder what that means but I think it might be different in every country when you say you're a nutritionist so I'm not a dietitian and um, so I have done extensive study into nutrition as part of my naturopathy degree um, and so essentially I'm a naturopath but all the so our degree is exactly the same as the nutritionist degree um, at the same place, but we do an extra year basically that is in herbal medicine. So because most people don't know what a naturopath is, it's kind of easier to call yourself a nutritionist. So how do you work with people? How do I work with people? Well, I do consults online um, and essentially people come to me with various health conditions or even just wanting to switch over to a plant-based diet and unsure that they're meeting their needs. Um, I really have created services because I'm passionate about vegans staying vegan when they want to stay vegan. Um, and often if a, a client goes to somebody else, and they say, I've got these period pains and I happen to be vegan. Uh, if it's a non-vegan practitioner, they'll immediately tell them it's because they haven't got the animal products in their diet. So that's what myself and other vegan health professionals, I think, are one of the things we're really, really passionate about. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've interviewed over, I've had over 1800 shows now and I, so far, and I'm sure this person exists, there hasn't been one person that at least I feel like is an expert that says, you know, the secret is I make complicated recipes every day, a different breakfast every 30 days of the month, a different lunch and a different dinner. And when we think about our pets, I mean, yeah, maybe there's different flavors, but they kind of, their, their diet, which is, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have variety. You know, you can mm. have different fruits, different vegetables, different whole grains, different legumes. But I feel that the reason people don't, like simple recipes is because they're just so stuck. Do you, are you familiar with the concept, the pleasure trap? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I, I like my food to look like the ingredients. I actually get so much joy. I 
don't have it here, but back in Australia, I had this huge wooden chopping board. And what I would do is put out all my beautiful vegetables, my mushrooms, my tempeh, and I would just lay it all out in front of me. And I'm just so in awe. Um, and I can't imagine anybody does that with animal products and looks at these foods and thinks, oh, wow, this is so great for my body. I'm delighted to be putting this disgusting yeah. looking thing inside. What what kind of simple foods do you enjoy? Um, so I yeah eat a very much whole food plant based diet. Um, I'll just give you a, a very brief rundown because it's pretty much a breakfast and then fruits, a little bit of nuts, um, and then lunch and dinner. So breakfast I have um, I usually do overnight oats. Whether that's I was doing steel cut um, here I've really only found rolled so I do rolled oats um, in some water with carob powder um, and I just leave that overnight and then I add um, frozen berries um, I add some walnuts um, that's about it breakfast and I'm very delighted to eat that I look forward to it every day um, and then my lunches and dinners are pretty much the same thing and what I often do is I make something the dinner that I can then have for lunch the next day um, and then I switch it all up so I like to include I always like to include legumes um, I eat a lot of tempeh I eat a lot of natto that's one of my favorite foods um, I eat a lot of dark green leafy vegetables um, I like mushrooms on there I like cruciferous vegetables like broccoli um, cauliflower um, I cook it up with some uh, onions, garlic, um, and generally either sweet potato or potato that I've left um, in the fridge to get higher levels of resistant starch, um, which is really, really good for our gut um, and supposedly better for our, our blood glucose levels. Um, so that's what I eat. And yeah, sometimes some quinoa, um, but I've really got into potatoes over here, sweet potatoes, particularly whether it's orange or purple, I like to mix it up. That's my so those are my foods. Well, um, so <laughs> are the purple ones in Bali, are they the ones that are purple on the inside, but not purple on the outside or the ones that are purple? No, they're purple the whole way through. In fact, I'm, I've got them on the side here, but yes, uh, where is it? purple the whole way through actually not the deceptive ones <laughs> yeah those are amazing did you say Aren't they? I, when you were telling your recipe for overnight oats did I hear you say carrot powder and if so what exactly is that and why do you use it um so carob powder oh, carob. Um, okay that makes sense because I, I, I honestly I, I gotta not maybe wear a hat when it's so cold I thought you said <laughs> Carrot powder. Okay. That sounds fun, but no, carrot powder. So something that tastes like chocolate, but doesn't have any caffeine in. I'm very, very sensitive to caffeine. So I, I like a little bit of cacao because I really enjoy my guilty pleasure, but it's not guilty at all, um, is that I get 100% cacao, um, but I get these big blocks and they literally last me about two months. I just nibble on a little bit each day I really really like um bitter chocolate but I have no tolerance to caffeine so um carob is fantastic it tastes like chocolate but um it's high in minerals which chocolate is as well um but just doesn't stimulate you in any way nice I love it how do people find you to work with you and, and it's all virtual now yeah yeah now it's all virtual I did have a little clinic in the Byron Bay region of Australia but now it's virtual so um camillaclare.com is my website and 
Um, yeah, I also have a company doing exciting things in Australia, but that's not to do with consultancy things. So um, I can leave a link for, for that as well if anyone wants to find out about the other things that I'm doing. Well, feel you have, I mean, you've got time if you'd like to mention it. Um, so I, I'm not sure if you're, I'm sure you are familiar actually with Jeff Palmer, uh, Absolutely. in America. We've been at conferences yeah. together and I'm pretty sure he's been on the show. You know, once you get to over a thousand, you sometimes, yeah, Jeff's had definitely yeah. been on the show. I would hope so. Um, so Jeff is fantastic. Um, a few years ago, he told me about something called Ahi Flower that he was really, really passionate about. Um, so it's a new Omega that, um, is basically the most advanced plant-based um, omega that we can have. It provides really, really readily all of the omega-3s um, plus GLA, which converts to DGLA and down-regulates arachidonic acid on the omega-6 side. Um, so it's an amazing, um, regeneratively grown, ultra-sustainable fish oil alternative, basically. Um, and he sold me on it to the point... Did you hear the rooster in the background? That, is that your rooster? Yeah, not my rooster, but there's lots of them. I was oh, just wondering sorry. if it's coming through the sound. No, just, um, that's okay. We love we love yeah. on this show. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the best things. We constantly have chickens and roosters just roaming free around my garden, which I love. Um, so he told me about Ahi Flower and I became so obsessed with it that I made it my mission to bring it through to Australia, New Zealand um, as a new omega ingredient there. And we took a couple of years to get it through. We finally got it approved uh, and now we have exclusive distribution rights of this new ingredient. And I'm on a mission to get everybody to know what it is and to make the switch away from um, fish to this Oh, oil, so. fantastic. Well, I mean, yeah. it, is it, it for people that wish to take that supplement? Is it is it something that they have to take every day? Do you suggest they get their DHA levels tested? So it's not something that you you can take it as a maintenance thing. I think that it's a really, really good idea. Um, you can also meet your omega-3 needs through flaxseed, um, chia seeds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the advantage of this is that it's been shown to convert up to four times more efficiently than flax to EPA, um, whilst providing really good levels of tissue DHA um, that have, have been shown very, very recently to be comparable um, to marine DHA sources. Um, so when you're just taking the algae DHA, you're missing out on all of those shorter chain uh, metabolites. And you're also disrupting the natural metabolism um, of the short chain omega-3s all the way through. And the other advantage it has over flax is that it has really good levels of GLA, uh, which convert to DGLA. Um, and both of those are really healthy omega-6 metabolites, whereas um, so it upregulates your DGLA levels, um, whereas flax has actually been shown to decrease DGLA levels by the same amount. So it's not that you can't meet your omega-3 needs through um, flax. I just consider this to be an upgrade. And that doesn't mean that there aren't really legitimate reasons to be eating flax that have nothing to do with omega-3. Um, as we know, it has so many other health benefits too. So I would always tell people, eat flax, eat chia, eat hemp seeds um but in my mind um based on kind of the most it ahi flower presents the most comprehensive um omega 
option that we have. Um, so thanks to Jeff that uh, he introduced me to the Ahi Flower fan club and here I am a couple of years later. What is the ahi flower? Where is it grown? And where is your product manufactured? And how is it shipped? So, yeah, so it's grown in England um, with in partnership with farmers who are using regenerative farming methods. Um, those aren't the regenerative farming methods where it's not like it's the regenerative beef cattle. Um, so the words, the term regenerative farming, especially amongst the vegan community, is... Um, probably not very appealing um, because we think of it as being um, regenerative beef and it's kind of everyone's excuse for eating grass-fed beef, et cetera, but that's not what's going on here. Um, it's things about um, pr promoting kind of soil uh, biodiversity, fertility, et cetera, et cetera, um, specific farming methods. So grown in the UK, um, it's processed in Canada um, and then we're shipping it to um, Australia from there. We manufacture the vegan soft gel capsules in Australia. Does it have to be refrigerated? Uh, it, I like to refrigerate it, but no, it's a cool, dry place. But when I'm in Bali, I don't trust that. So I put it in the fridge. Um, and if you're just getting bottles rather than uh, encapsulated soft gel, then yes, put it, put it in the fridge for sure. Nice. You know, I was looking at your blog and I was really intrigued by one of your posts and I'd love for you to address it. Why some yes. people don't thrive on a vegan diet and what we can do about it. Yes. So um, I think that we have, uh, we really think that vegan diets are just about food um, and that if we're not doing that well on a vegan diet, it must be about the food. But I think that whilst it can be about the food, there are other really important um, things going on. So for instance, had I been at university um, studying to be a naturopath and I had all of these you know, trusted lecturers telling me that it was really bad for me, had I not been doing my own reading, had I not been looking to my own sources, I would probably um, have all of these doubts kind of anytime I might catch a cold, I would instantly credit it to my vegan diet. Um, I think uh, there's also a huge component. A lot of people um, feel that they really need to do what their families um, and close friends are doing. And if you don't feel kind of comfortable doing something a bit different to your close friends and family, um, that could be another reason why you won't stay vegan for very long. Um, but I really think that, again, if somebody's not feeling great and they go to a health professional who doesn't know anything about vegan diets or, you know, even worse might be a carnivore doctor, then they'll tell you that anything that's wrong with you is just to do with the vegan diet. Um, so those are, those are a few of the reasons, but I really recommend um, anybody interested in the topic just to head over to my, to my site and to my blog, because I go into a lot of the reasons there. Would you uh, like me to go into the food reasons? To the what? The food reasons oh, the in my mind. Reasons. Yes, I either either I either I'm not used to your accent, or I shouldn't be covering my ears on your show. <laughs> Absolutely, because you know, as you were speaking, I was thinking because I've been vegan for almost fifty years, and what I've seen in my life, and of course, there's going to be some people that maybe didn't do it correctly and could have used some nutritional guidance. Yeah. 
I find the social reason is one of the reasons that I see people like stop being vegan, that it's too hard for that or they, you know, they don't want to be difficult. Like if it's their, you know, I, I mean, I know some people yeah. that, like they're ethical vegetarian, but if somebody goes to the trouble and makes them some chicken, you know, I like me, I'd be like, no way, you know, but we're all different. A hundred percent. I think it is that, you know, a lot of people, they feel peer pressure a lot more. I've never been somebody to the peer pressure to bother me in any way, shape or form, but a lot of people really do struggle with that. Um, so you know, I was probably one of the only young people not experimenting with drugs while all my friends were doing that. So, you know, if they couldn't get me back then, then they certainly can't get me now that I'm a vegan and, you know, tell me that I should be eating animal products to fit in. But a lot of people are very susceptible to that. Um, and it's, you know, so understandable that if you, are, you know, if you only have a, a limited social circle you might be living somewhere um you know really rural and you've just got these immediate people around you and none of them are doing the same thing as you I can imagine that would be incredibly isolating yeah you know I just noticed that you you appear to be outside is that a refrigerator behind you yeah yeah so uh this is my kitchen um in Bali kitchens are generally outside it's very 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 rare to have a yeah a kitchen that's inside it's, it's all very different I wonder why that is is do you have a, that's interesting of course I think it's because we uh I'm in fact I'm pretty certain uh, it's actually a very good idea because um we just get plagues of insects everywhere I'll turn turn you around so you can actually see what my view is I pretty much live in the in the jungle <laughs> oh. um so you know beautiful nature all around me um and every i mean i've i've already got ants kind of running around my um kitchen surface as it is so you just don't really want that inside your house that is so interesting see i always learn something on this show so that is <laughs> so everyone has an outdoor kitchen so but what about when it's, you're cooking when it's dark i'm guessing you have lights out there as well um, I never cook when it's dark. I, I'm a real early bed kind of person. So yeah, I'm I'm asleep by 8.30. I, I tend to finish uh, cooking, sorry, eating by about 5.30 each day. Um, oh, that would my... be a dream. I want to do that so bad. I, <laughs> I, I, I would... I would love to eat like my last meal at four and be done by five, but it's, I mean, and I could do that because I'm a grown up. but then I like to eat dinner with my husband because I've been hearing so much about intermittent fasting the, by eating more in the morning. And I do do intermittent yeah. fasting just unintentionally. I just not hungry in the morning, but the thought yeah. of skipping dinner is just not appealing to me because breakfast is not a meal that I really ever liked. Oh, interesting. I'm the opposite. I um, I mean, I would never skip dinner. I always have three meals. I'd get far too hungry, but I could definitely, I sometimes I eat at four and finish by 4.30. So it just depends what I've got on that day. Um, but yeah, I like to finish it nice and early. And yeah. yeah. Do you, in, in Bali, do you have any of the, or you probably could get it, but I'm just curious if you use any of the equipment that I love so much to prepare my healthy, easy meals, like the instant pot, yeah. any pressure cooker or an air fryer, those kind of things. Um, so I've got very, very simple equipment. I've got a steamer and a frying pan, and that's really about it. Uh, and I've got um, a couple of saucepans and things like that and a blender. Um, but I pretty much do all my cooking. So I use the steamer um, and I do my 
I start with my sweet potatoes, then I add in the cruciferous veggies, then I add in the greens right at the end and corn on the cob. Usually I really enjoy corn on the cob. It's kind of my treat. Um, and then in the uh, frying pan, I do the onions, the garlic um, and the onions, the garlic, uh, tempeh and mushrooms is what I'm often doing. Um, so, yeah, I have a tiny, tiny, tiny kitchen, as you can see. And I still manage to make what I think is incredibly healthy and delicious food that really shows you don't need much. I love it. I mean, I, I've known people that like live in like on a boat that can, I mean, if there's a will, yeah. you know what I mean? And so yeah. I'm like, yeah, are yeah. you going to actually show us how you make some of the food? Yeah. Yeah. I've got um, some victual chopped up as well to save time. So Wait, did, <laughs> did you nice. say victuals? Is that what you said this time? Victuals? What's that? What word was that? Victual? No. Um, I'm not sure. The, it must be the connection or or I have to yeah. check. Well, this is very, very exciting. So Ooh. are you going to yeah. start with your breakfast? Oh, I already ate my breakfast um, because I get very hungry if I don't eat my breakfast. So that's already gone. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> Here we go. So I think I've said I've never done a cooking demo before where I've um actually set it up myself so I have been That's experimenting with it. but you're, you're even though your kitchen's outside it is covered though like if it were to rain or something yeah 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 yeah, yeah it is yes and what, what is the what is the typical weather in Bali oh it's beautiful sorry I'm going to hello <laughs> um it's really really beautiful um it's a little bit too hot at the moment, incredibly humid. Um, at this time of day, this is my favorite time of day where it is not too hot. Um, it's just pleasant and beautiful, but it gets humid really, really early. Interesting. What other countries is it near? Sorry, I'll, add, I'll put this up here again. Um, is that okay? Let's see. Okay, you have Can to you talk. About it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, it's well, it's part of Indonesia, um, and you've got Java close to it. Um, I mean, Indonesia is a country with about supposedly seven hundred islands. Um, but somebody said that if you count islands that ha are literally just this tiny dot of land with one tree, there's more like fourteen hundred, which is wild to think about. Um, but yeah, it's not far from, um, I came from Thailand. It's not far from Malaysia, um, yet Southeast Asia. So I think, I think Malaysia, I could be completely wrong, but I think Malaysia is the closest place you can fly to. Um, but apologies, my geography is not fantastic. Had, had you ever visited it before or you just literally had your dream and moved there? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much have my dream and moved there. So I um, yeah, had this dream and I ended up going to Thailand for a little bit because my best friend told me about this island in Thailand that she says is kind of vegan heaven and that she loves. Um, and I went there and it definitely wasn't my place. The dream was, uh, so I ended up going to Bali and the dream was very specifically telling me Bali, not Thailand. Um, and within about two weeks of being here, I'd already found the place that I was moving into. Um, I found this, yeah, this vegan family um, who were looking for somebody to take the place next door. Um, so it was always meant to be, there's no doubt. <laughs> wow. Ooh. Well, you, you see, we got to learn to follow our dreams. 
I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's kind of clear as day, and here I am in this beautiful, <laughs> beautiful place full of nature, which is exactly what I like. Do you ever go back and visit any of the countries you used to live in? Oh, I will do for sure. I mean, my yeah company's still in Australia, so I'll be flying out there pretty regularly. Um, I can't wait to go back to the UK um, at some point really soon. I had the best time when I was there last time, um, but it's such a long flight that it really has to be when you've got a significant period of time um, yeah, to go back. Yeah, what is it like more than more than a day, more than 20 hours? Yeah, something like that. Um, from here, not quite as bad as Australia, but it's still, I think it's around 20 hours, which is not a lot of fun and takes it out of you significantly. Wow. I am, I'm not somebody who does well with sleep deprivation, thus I go to bed at like 8.30 each night. Um, so yeah, I would, I, yeah, I'm knocked out for a good, a good couple of weeks after flying back. Oh, wow. I'd love to see what you're going to cook up in your outfit. Yeah. Nice. I'm going, oh, sorry about the camera. Um, I am just going to put this down now and tell me if this is okay. I think that you can see the hot pot and I will just, or the steaming, the steaming pot. Um, and I'll just hold up what I'm doing. I, I, see that you have a, I see it looks like you have a Vitamix. Yes, I think not mine. It's not a Vitamix, but it's probably a Vitamix knockoff, I would say. It it looks like one. Um, my friend Arman really kindly brought it around so I could make some nice cream <laughs> out of um, frozen bananas and durian. So have you actually, have you eaten durian? That's probably I, one know, of my favorites. I, I, believe it or not, I tasted it in culinary school over 20 years ago. And it would taste okay, but man, it's stinky. <laughs> yeah, it's actually my favorite food in the world. Um, and probably one of the things I most like about barley. So, um, yeah. Okay, so this is basically what I, this is the version of what I would eat uh, most days. So we've got sweet potato. This is already, oh, sorry. This is already been washed and chopped. I've got both the orange sweet, sorry, the orange sweet potato, and I've got the purple underneath as well. So yeah, sweet potato goes in first. I often put in um, baby potatoes as well. I really, really enjoy. And uh, but yeah, I don't tend to eat them straight away. I tend to put them in the fridge first um, so that the resistant starch builds up. So steam are going on and then I will set an okay perfect so we'll get the yeah the sweet potatoes on now um then we have I'll show you the other things that I'm going to eat the next uh actually the next thing to go in will be some broccoli uh, and some cauliflower. So I like the cruciferous to go in next. So I'll just wash those and start chopping. Okay. Um, one thing that's not so great about barley is the fact that if you don't use um, filtered water, then you're gonna get food poisoning. 
uh, basically. I've had um, and that's, that's, for, that's for even people that live there, huh? That just were born there and everything. Uh, yeah, no, they, they have to have filtered water too. I would say that they probably get food poisoning a lot less than Westerners for sure. Um, but yeah, you, you don't drink what's coming out of the tap. Absolutely not. Can you, um, wash, and can you wash with it? And can you wash your vegetables with it? I, I wash uh, with filtered water. I never even risk it. Wow. Um, even for showering? You, you have filtered water you, even for showering, huh? No. Um, I would like to, but no, you don't you don't need it for showering as such. Um, but yeah, I have been in Asia now for since February and I have had food poisoning six times, which people don't even believe is possible as a vegan. <laughs> but it's true. Wow. Um yeah. But I, th I think that my healthy vegan diet has meant that my um, meant that I have my gut has recovered really, really, really quickly. I imagine that if somebody doesn't have a very plant rich diet, um, then it would take a lot longer um, than it has done for me. Um, so my digestion's totally normal. Um, nothing has I haven't had any long term adverse effects, but I've had pretty significant food poisoning. Oh my um, maybe low, yeah. maybe tilt your camera a little because I'm not seeing your cutting board anymore. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I was yeah. and then just, it, it just... got moved up a little bit. So <laughs> how do you yeah. think you keep getting food poisoning if you're drinking filtered water? Um, it can be so I got it once from we believe from filtered water in Thailand um that perhaps wasn't as filtered as it should have been because my neighbor also got food poisoning around that time too um by the way i have no um skills in making shopping look pretty so please don't uh, judge me on that i'm all about eating this beautiful nutrient-dense food as opposed to making it look um <laughs> fancy in any way uh i also got it from a vegan restaurant once for sure. Um, and I don't know, to be honest, about the other times, I guess, um, in restaurants, if they're washing their produce with um, non filtered water, then you could get it from that as well. It's not a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so just don't rinse my belly with, with the filtered water perfect and that down a bit it's funny I um because it's only eight o'clock in the morning where I am I'm not used to making my lunch or breakfast sorry lunch or dinner at this time of day but it's great because I won't have to do any extra cooking later very handy so let's put that in so we've got yeah five more minutes for what do most of your clients see you for um it's often just things as simple as not having enough energy um but it could also be female reproductive health um issues um weight loss mental health, anxiety, depression. Um, a lot of people come having hair loss as a symptom, actually. 
um, which can be related to all sorts of nutrient deficiencies or hypothyroidism. Um, I get a lot of people with SIBO, so small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Um, and the interesting thing about that is that I have a feeling that that is one of the main reasons why people go back to an animal-based diet. Um, so, um, and it's also something that most health professionals don't know how to treat in a vegan way. So I do. <laughs> um, and the reason I think that it um, is quite pronounced amongst vegans is not because there's anything wrong with the vegan diet, but that if somebody already has um, an underlying digestive health complaint, that sometimes the healthiest foods that are full of fiber and full of the, um, you know, the plant, the fruit sugars actually exacerbate this condition. So it's not that there's anything unhealthy about those foods. They're extraordinarily healthy. Um, but if somebody already has that going on, um, then it can exacerbate the symptoms. And, and then when people go to eating an animal product and they suddenly don't have that bloating or whatever, they think, oh, it's because I was missing whatever nutrient from the animal product, but it's actually just that that animal product didn't have the fiber um, or the sugars um, that would generally be really, really healthy. But in the case of having that underlying condition, uh, difficult. Yeah. So how do you treat the SIBO? Um, so I do a diet with them um, that's a vegan version of a um, SIBO diet. Um, and it does eliminate a lot of the foods that I would never eliminate, generally speaking. Um, but it's only for a very, very short period of time. Um, and it's to restore the integrity of the gut so that you can then reintroduce these really, really healthy foods um, and they won't have the same symptoms. And if somebody does have um, a significant case of SIBO, then I see improvements really rapidly, actually. Um, and they generally feel fantastic. And SIBO is linked to so many other conditions in the body as well. Um, so often their skin clears up, um, they feel, you know, body pains might reduce. Um, I had one who once she went on the kind of vegan SIBO um, protocol, she went to her osteopath, I think it was, and he said, I can just feel the inflammation in your body has gone down. Um, which is amazing. But the goal is always to bring, to restore balance um, and then to bring people back to being able to eat these foods that are, are truly the healthiest foods in the world for long-term health. We know that long-term, a low-carbohydrate diet is not good for us. Um, and we know that it's linked to increased mortality. We, we know we shouldn't be eating that. We know we should be eating all these high-fiber, high-carb foods um but there can be underlying health conditions where restricting that temporarily while treating the gut um seems to work very very well in my experience nice how much longer do we have two minutes do you do any kind of batch cooking or batch prep and only so far as uh, only in so far as I generally make what I'm having for dinner and then um, have it for lunch the next day as well. Um, I do have I did freeze to show you. Um, I don't know how beautiful this is. <laughs> but I did freeze. Let's see if I can get it on camera. Um, a minestrone soup. Um, 
that I had I don't usually to be honest bother making recipes that I see on Instagram but I did on this occasion um because I recently watched Dan Buettner's The Blue Zones um and this has an absolute ton of beans in 13 bean soup mix which is great wow you can Very get happy. you can get Bob Redmill in in Bali yeah cool yeah a really good health food shop called Club Sehat, uh, where you can get lots of really, really great things. So I don't remember exactly what's in here because I've got ice <laughs> lining the top of it. But um, yeah, carrots, potatoes, um, celery, onions, 13 different types of beans, apparently, tomato, um, and then some uh, macaroni pasta, which is not something I would usually eat. Um but only a little bit of it and it was kind of on the recipe and I thought why not that's a, a fun treat for myself I haven't had in as long as I can remember nice and for anybody who doesn't know what durian is this is my favorite food in the entire planet looks very strange Oops, okay so it's time for it's time for the cruciferous veggies to go in. So cruciferous in next. Oh, I can already smell the sweet potatoes. They smell so nice. Yum. Okay, so we've just got our purple, orange, sweet potatoes, got some cauliflower, some broccoli. Um, okay. Sorry, this camera doesn't want to stick in place. Uh I don't know why it was yeah, just about okay. So move back on and I'm going to put my sweet corn in in a few minutes time as well. And then the last thing, because I don't like to obliterate them too much, um, is this beautiful array of different types of exotic greens, which is probably one of the most exciting thing in my life. Things in my life. <laughs> okay, so let's just for another three minutes oh yeah I was showing the durian so nobody can see how pungently it smells to me it smells like heaven wow caramel what what is durian? Me, is, is durian a fruit yeah it's a fruit um it's actually quite a high fat fruit um but mostly mono saturated fatty acids um it's really high in tryptophan it's really high in carotenoids um really high in B vitamins it's very high in calories um so if you're kind of prioritizing weight loss then you know be mindful <laughs> about how much during you eat and that's because it's you know a really high fat fruit it's not like other fruits which are kind of predominantly water sort of like avocado I've never seen it fresh yeah, I've, yeah. Seen it, I've seen it frozen oh. in the United States like it at, at um, Asian markets Yes, I don't think you'll be able to get it on a plane, to be honest, because people uh, 
unlike myself who thinks it's the most delicious thing they've ever smelled most people think it's absolutely hideous uh, it's banned from airports in thailand <laughs> and public transport that, now that's that's interesting yeah well it's the king of fruits um it's known as the king of fruits and it's really spiky I've managed to cut myself on it twice. So it's this really interesting fruit that, um, you know, doesn't seem to want to be eaten. Um, but those who like the taste of it, um, you know, are very passionate about it. <laughs> I feel like there'd be, there'd definitely be durian societies out there. There are, I think there's um, a durian festival in Malaysia. Um, and there are durian buffets in places where you can try however many different varieties. So I'm going to start. Do you also have jackfruit at your, in Bali? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackfruit's delicious. I really like jackfruit as well. Um, I don't tend to use it as a, even though it's really tasty, I don't tend to use it as a meat substitute, um, not just because I'm not really interested in meat substitutes, but um, if somebody's trying to replace meat, the protein, then really they should be looking at foods like legumes and whole grains, um, soy products, et cetera, et cetera, um, because it really doesn't offer much in the in the way of protein. So, um, but it's delicious, very tasty. So I'm going to start just putting the onion, the chopped onion in the pan. I'm going to get some filtered water. If, if it, it how do, what do you do for exercise there? If it's humid, it might be hard to exercise outside. It's well, hard. Um, that has been the number one thing I've struggled with is I'm a lot less active here than I am accustomed to being. I love being active. And so I'm just setting the next alarm. Um, I love being active and that has decreased a lot since being in Asia. Uh, I tend to go swimming at um a gym that's really really close to me just put the sweet corn in uh yeah so I tend to go swimming um I like to go walking kind of later in the day but it's hard I mean I'm very used to kind of walking throughout the day and being very active and just don't really have and I hate it Okay, so sometimes, just to make life a bit harder, sometimes this stove decides not to work. Um, let's have a look. It usually just takes a minute and then it comes back to life. Otherwise, I'll have to do it on the other stove top. Um, at the end, which is also fine. Oh, great. It's here. Okay, what are we looking for? But I'm hoping that the viewers take some comfort that you really don't have to have any form of fancy kitchen or um, culinary skills to be able to make really healthy food. <laughs> That's kind of what I'd like to demonstrate today. And so we've got the, oh, sorry. I was going to say you really don't have any fancy equipment either. Nothing fancy, nothing fancy at all. And yeah, a tiny little space to cook in. I mean, I, I think it would be harder if I were cooking for a family. Um, I would definitely need another stove top at least. 
um, particularly given I like to eat large ad libitum quantities of beautiful high fiber food. So, yeah, so just going to let the onion cook in some water. Um, and in terms of giving flavor, we've got onion and there'll be some garlic soon. Um, really just, yeah, some black pepper, some ground ginger. Those are probably the only things that I'm adding. Um, your taste buds really change when you've eaten this way for a while. I'm sure you would probably agree with that, but you don't crave those really intense flavors and you really get such enjoyment out of the, the natural flavors of the food. It's so different from back when you <laughs> are eating food that's kind of drenched in salt or whatever flavorings. So some garlic will go in soon. Some garlic and some oyster mushrooms as well. I don't like mushrooms. I I mean, I'm not going to pick them out, but I never seek them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to feel that way. Um, I think that I really agree with, is it Dr. Joel Furman? who his G-bombs. Yeah. Is it yeah, yeah. 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 So the, I, I'm pretty certain mushrooms are on that. Um, I would definitely agree with him on all of those foods. Um, mushrooms are so interesting because they technically aren't a plant, but they're not an animal either. Um, and they have so many very unique um, medicinal properties about them that are kind of hard to find in other foods of the plant kingdom. Like um, there's an antioxidant called ergothymine, um, which is in tempeh as well, to be fair, but that's a an antioxidant that's really, really rich in mushrooms, uh, more so than other foods. Um, and they're super high in B vitamins as well, which is a common thing that people tell you that a plant-based diet is not going to be high in. Garlic. Okay, bring the garlic in. And put some black pepper in. Obviously, you can use whatever herbs and spices you like. I would like lots of black pepper. Ginger into. Okay, it's time for the greens to go in. If you boil the water, does it uh, deactivate? You know, like you still have to use filtered water even if you're cooking, right? I, yeah, and there look, there are some people who would chance it, um, but I certainly wouldn't. Food poisoning is not fun. So believe it or not, I had no idea, but this organic farm that I get my produce from, they have eight different types of kale. I didn't even know there were eight different types of kale. 
but it was a very exciting moment in my life once I found that out. I know there's like a purple kale. Yeah. Yeah, they lived them. I can't remember them by heart. But um, if anyone's interested, Island Organics Bali, and you'll see veggies on there that you've probably never heard of because I certainly haven't. <laughs> Unusual for a vegan who specializes in healthcare and diet. Okay. So, I, I see you have Bragg's apple cider vinegar on your counter. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I like to have some of that before food. Um, and I was just listening to Michael Greger's new book, um, The How Not to H, and it reminded me to get back on the apple cider vinegar. Mm. Um, do you get balsamic vinegar in Bali? Oh, I bet you can, and I love it, but I don't personally have any, but I actually should be great. Um, so one of the tricks, if you're living in Bali, in terms of not getting food poisoning, is don't eat rest at restaurants that are giving you fresh veggies, basically, um, because they may well be, um, yeah, rinsed in the, the non-filtered water, and that's a very easy way to get food poisoning. So that means that I wouldn't recommend eating kind of salads or anything like that out. You can Right. Do you cook your grains like in a rice cooker? Uh, grains, I, uh, so I use a saucepan, um, which is not ideal, but yeah, I could get myself a rice cooker. I seem to, so I do, I love to eat whole grains, um, but I've definitely got more in the habit of eating a lot of sweet potato. Um, I have my oats every day. Um, I sometimes get this raw um, bread that's made with um, but sprouted buckwheat. Oh my God, I love bread. We have, we have a bread here now. It's just <laughs> buckwheat water and a little bit of salt. And it's my favorite because it's oh, nice. so clean. Yeah, so good. So yeah, I have that as well. So I often have that on the side. And what I like to do with that is I like to add this beautiful fresh spirulina. It just tastes divine um, to me. And it's so nutrient dense. Okay, so just splashed onion and garlic everywhere. But we've got onion, garlic and mushrooms being cooked up um, with some black pepper and some ginger. And then we've just got a minute left, really, of let's open that up again of the steam pan. So it really couldn't be any more straightforward. This is really for somebody who has, like me, close to zero cooking skills. When um when you're brought up with a family that feeds kind of microwave chips <laughs> to you, you often don't end up with, with massively great cooking skills. Um, so if you want to eat really healthy, it's good to keep it simple. How do you eat the durian just by itself as a, with a meal? Is it more like a dessert? Oh, it's, I mean, it tastes like a dessert to me kind of whenever I have it. Um, at the moment, I've been having it kind of first thing in the morning um, before I have my proper breakfast. Um, but I will have it throughout the day as a snack as well. Um, I often snack on fruit in the day. I want it. Um, 
walnuts as well. But uh, yeah, durian is a fascinating thing. You either love it or hate it, and people feel very passionate about it in, in either direction. So, okay. All right, so I'm going to now put this out on a plate so you can kind of see my, what my meal looks like. Very dangerous. Good chunk of greens. Greens really are one of my absolute favorite foods. I'm just so in awe of them. And if you're looking for kind of nutrient density um, per calorie, you just really can't can't beat greens. So what? Good portion of greens. Get the sweet corn. What do you think of the 100% raw food diet? Does it matter about the person, whether or not that would be a good choice for them? Yeah, I think that's probably a fair call. So I think that it can be done um, in a nutritionally balanced way. I think it's much harder. And I think you really need to do know what you're doing and you need to do it in, in a really mindful way. If I were to do it, I'd want to be sprouting legumes. Um, I still think that if you are being raw, that you should be looking at kind of all the main food groups um, that we expect to eat in a whole food plant-based diet. So that being fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, um, legumes and whole grains. I'd still want to be including all of those foods, but you just have to use different preparation um, methods. I think that uh, Brenda Davis's book, Becoming Raw, is very, very good. I think she is absolutely fantastic at conveying um, evidence-based information around different types of vegan diets. Um, my friend Kate really, really thrives on it and has for many decades, um, but she's really meticulous with her diet and she doesn't do anything kind of um, silly like just binge on one food for months at a time or anything like that which i think unfortunately um that it can attract a lot of people who are um who are predisposed to eating disorders or who have a history of eating disorders um and then it can kind of very quickly become um very restrictive and you know very detrimental to health so I definitely think it can be done um, based on, you know, a, a few friends that I've had who have done it for a long, long time. But I think it's much easier in general to eat a partly cooked, partly, you know, partly raw vegan diet. Okay. So then one more thing that I'm going to add. Oh, I haven't even added my natto yet. Don't think I've even spoken about my natto. <laughs> no, you haven't. Oh, 
Nacho is one of my favorites. So durian and nacho, maybe I was Asian in a past life, who knows, but durian and nacho are definitely two of my absolute favorite foods. And um, it's a, again, a bit like durian. It's really acquired taste, um, but it's one that uh, I, this first time I tasted it, I thought it tasted revolting, um, but now I absolutely love it. Um, so it's a way of fermenting soybeans. And um, it's actually, so one of the things people think they're being clever in asking you to trick you out with a, uh, as for the healthfulness of a plant-based diet, is they ask you where you get your K2 from. That's one of the things that the anti-vegan uh, medical establishment picked out. Um, but actually not only do we convert K1 very readily with our healthy gut microflora um, to K2, from things like dark green leafy vegetables, but actually NACO, this food, is the highest um, food source of K2 above animal products. So interesting, but but a lot of people don't like that either, from what I understand. They don't like NACO. Yeah, no, no, it's very much an acquired taste. Absolutely. But um I I didn't like it the first time I tried it. Now I really like it. So food is almost done. One little touch, which is my spirulina if you are in Hawaii I think you can also find fresh spirulina I could be incorrect on that but I have heard that um but I've never come across fresh spirulina before I came to Bali and so good that is interesting I thought spirulina that's not from the ocean is it and um, this one is I think it would be found in the ocean, but this one's kind of farmed. Um, so yeah, it's an algae and very, very, very nutrient dense. Um, and one of my kind of key things with food, and you'll see when you look at my plate, um, is that I'm looking for as many different colors as possible because that's indicative of the different um, antioxidants that we can find in the food. Um, so this has a very unique blue blue green color to it um and like i said to me it tastes like egg yolk um and very nutrient dense so yeah i've got my plate now so i can bring the camera over and show you it's a little bit too early for me to eat any of it let me just wash my hands and <laughs> not move the camera We can go back to where we were before. That will probably be easier. Okay. I'll just. Well, that was that was great. Well, thank you for that presentation. And very that, very quick, very that, easy, and I'll show you the plate now. And will that be your lunch today, or your dinner, or maybe both? Could be both. Yeah, it could be both. So, this is. Let's just see if I can get the camera to. So this is what a plate looks like. Um, so what makes me excited about this is how many beautiful colors um, and how many medicinal foods we have on one plate. And as you saw, it was incredibly quick and easy to make. And oh man, the corn, corn looks amazing. Do you ever yeah. have any indulgences like sweets or treats? 
And there is a particularly delicious vegan restaurant in Ubud that does these beautiful raw vegan um, treats. So I do occasionally go there. Um, I just have really little ones. I don't. I never feel the need to have a big dessert. I don't feel like I need a big slice of cake, but kind of little cute um, chocolates or something like that. Absolutely. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Camilla. If people wanted to follow you on social media or get in touch with you, we'll, we'll have everything in the show notes, but maybe just tell them the best way. And um, so, yeah, probably Instagram, Camilla Claire Naturopathy is the is where to find me. Great. Well, it's so nice uh, coming into your kitchen, your outdoor kitchen. The first time I've seen that. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Chef AJ. It's been really fun. And thank you to all the viewers as well. I hope that you've learned how easy and how little cooking skills you need to eat something really, really healthy. And how you can accidentally reverse your arthritis in the process. Absolutely. Totally. Thanks so much, Camilla. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back soon for another great episode.